Shalom, shalom, welcome, welcome, world changers. Tonight is going to be a very special night because we're going to get into the Apocrypha tonight. Uh, it's been a, it's been a long time since we got into the Apocrypha, so this is the first uh, for us for a while. We're going to get into the book of Baruch, which also includes the letter of Jeremiah. So hang tight, fasten your seatbelts, and get ready for a good night. By the way, we're getting into the book of Baruch because we've just finished Jeremiah and Lamentations, which is attributed to Jeremiah as well. So Baruch is tied right in there with Jeremiah, so might as well read that uh, as we're going along here in our loosely chronological order. So Cat uh, Cool says, uh, is repentance a process or an instant event? Sometimes it can be instant. Sometimes it can be a process. Where does repentance start? Does repentance start when you first learn that you need to repent? That's the case, right? So it would be a process. I can speak of my own experiences as well. Like sometimes some of these, sometimes it's just like repentance happens just like that. Uh, you know, excluding the learning process of learning what's, you know, what God likes, what God doesn't like, what constitutes a sin and, and, and how, you know, that you should repent of it, you know, not counting all that process. In my own life, sometimes repentance can be like just, it, it has happened. Actually, for the most part, it has been just something that, you know, it, it just happened just uh, like the flick of a switch. But there are th some times where it can be a lot tougher than that. In that case, uh, it can be a, a process as well. But as soon as you set your heart on the repentance process, if you will, you know, set your, you, as soon as you make that decision and it's a solid, firm decision, you know, I decide uh, to repent, meaning to change. Hey, I mean, that's that's more than half the battle right there. And, you know, sometimes it can take a while. It can take a while. Uh, so it all depends. It all depends. Uh, I can't even say that it depends on the sin because some people, you know, uh, you know, a certain sin, call it sin X, just for example, X can be super easy for some people and super difficult for other people. But the most important thing is that we make, again, the firm, solid decision to change. And I think that is like, the most important thing. We make that decision, we follow through with it, we stick with it, no matter what happens. I can tell you from my own experience, you do make that decision. Some, there might be, it might be a process of days, weeks, months, or even maybe even years. You know, I hate to say that, but you know, sometimes these things can take some time. In my own experience, most of the time it was quite, it was quite instant, most of the time. I, it's my prayer for every single one that's listening right now to have an easy repentance. You know, maybe we should kind of wish each other, you know, an easy repentance, you know, happy repentance kind of thing, you know. In my own experience, what made it hard, I think, was the false doctrine that I bought it, that I used to buy into being that, um, especially that Jesus just like it took your place, so to speak, where it's like, you know, that you, it's not like you died but rather he died for you. You know what I mean? And so that was in my own experience. That is what really held me back. That is what the process, you know, it, it, it was a process of unlearning that because once I found out, Hey, you know what? I, not that I didn't know it before, but you know how sometimes you know something, but then 
it's like boom all of a sudden the, talk about flip the switch the lights come on you know sometimes that's the way it is right you, you learn you, you hear something you know a thousand times over and then you hear it a thousand and one times you know the the thousand the, the thousand and one you know first time then it it's like boom oh i got it now and that's you know that's kind of like what happened in my own experience and the whole idea of hey i am crucified with him not that he died for me in the sense that i don't have to die but no i died with him and so that is what really broke it for me so once again cat cool great question yeah i hope that every one of us have a an easy repentance and i think the more truth we get and the more knowledge we get the easier it does get and that's one of the you know that's one of the um uh, reasons why we're here yeah, Kingdom Concepts says uh, turning means more than a thought. Absolutely, yeah. Of course, it would start with a thought, but yeah, the, the thought has to become a reality, right? In the sense of an action or inaction, in the sense of uh, whether you should do or not do something. Blake says, just started Baruch, just finished Sirach. Uh, this is well-timed. Wow, awesome, awesome, yeah. You know what? I tell you something. Talk about my own experience. Uh, since we're just kind of restarting the Apocrypha uh, tonight, in my own experience, in the past decade or perhaps even two decades, I, I have read the Apocrypha over and over and over again many, many times. And every time I read it, it's like Protestants, especially these, you know, the the ultra conservative Protestants that that reject the Apocrypha, it's like, why it's like you're ripping yourself off it's like it's like you're missing some really really good stuff here i find it to be just as much in line if not even more in line with some of the other books of the bible uh with 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 holy scripture and so yeah it is something that every 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 single believer should be studying for sure yeah, kingdom concept says Sirach is amazing certainly is certainly is Next to second Baruch. Oh, you're thinking ahead. You're thinking ahead. Yeah. Second Baruch is a really, you know, I know you, some of you guys know second Baruch. Second Baruch is really, uh, is really uh, a really good one. That's for sure. The apocalypse of Baruch. Fearfully Confident says, it must be opposite day. Apollyon in your comments called the Torah Antichrist. Side note, <laughs> he, he doesn't believe it's the first five books you know what i saw normally most of those comments and you're talking about on tiktok um most of those comments on tiktok i i i don't even i don't even get uh, i don't even read but actually earlier today i did read that comment and it was like what it's like calling the tour it's true i mean for those of you who are listening to this you're like what yeah it's true there's this guy on tiktok that left a comment on one of my videos saying that the Torah is Antichrist. The Torah is Antichrist. Like, talk about blaspheming the Word of God, blaspheming the law of God, being a judge of the law, like it says, uh, like James said there in James chapter 2. Uh, I, yeah, he doesn't believe it's the first five books. Okay, so any part of the Scripture... Even if you would say that the Torah is the Tanakh, okay, even then I would say, well, doesn't your Christian theology say that uh, that Jesus is the Torah in the flesh, is the Word of God in the flesh, 
is the living, talking, breathing word of God, the word of God manifested in human form. And if you actually believe what you're supposed to believe in your own Christian theology, you should say that Jesus is the living, talking, breathing, walking Torah. <laughs> so, you know, the more Christ-like you become, the more Torah-like you become. Going nowhere. What do you think is the biggest problem in Christianity? Sin? Sin is the biggest problem in Christianity or in Christianity today. Yeah, sin. Absolutely. You know, and so anything that would be conducive to sin, anything that a that a Christian may use to condone or excuse or justify a sin is absolutely abominable in God's sight. So that's it right there. The biggest problem is sin. And it amazes me that I have to say this, but I have to because some people, they just can't connect the dots. Sin is transgression of the Torah. Anything that's against, anything that breaks any of the laws of God that would apply to you is sin. Quandell, have you ever read the Talmud? Uh, is there a point to reading it? Yeah, and by the way, the, the Fearfully Confidence com uh, comment this is what happens a lot, right? These people, they they do out themselves. You just let them talk. You give them, you know, as they say, you give them enough rope, you know, they'll they'll do themselves in, right? That's the way it happens. Quandell, um, have you ever read the Talmud? I cannot say I've read all of it. It is actually, it's a lot to read. It is, it's pretty much a library. Uh, I haven't read all of it. Is there a point to reading it? Yes, there is. There, there is. There is good things in the Talmud. There's a lot of good things to learn. Uh, there is historical facts in the Talmud as well. Yeah, I would not condemn anybody for reading it. That's for sure. In fact, uh, I would I would encourage uh, reading the Talmud. Uh, but you know, always doing it in in the same way as that you would read any kind of any other kind of uh, ex, extra biblical, <laughs> I guess, extra Tanakh uh, material, where it would be like you know just. You know, take it with a grain of salt, test everything. Uh, again, I think that there's a lot of good stuff in the Talmud. There's a lot of good lessons to be learned and a lot of good historical things in there as well. Very, It's very, very interesting. Uh, actually, I was just, I was reading some of it earlier. I was reading some of it earlier. Uh, some interesting things there about Jesus. Now, it depends on what translation of the Talmud you read too, because sometimes they translate it as Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, the, the translation I was reading earlier was, uh, they translated it as Jesus of Nazareth. Other more literal translations would translate it as Yeshu. There is, just so you know, uh, there is disputes even amongst the anti-Christian, anti-missionary Jews, whether or not Yeshu, Yeshu ben Pandira, one of the names of that people believe that it was talking about Jesus of Nazareth. Yeshua or Yeshu ben Pandira is one of the names. But just so you know, even, even amongst the anti-Christian, anti-missionary Jewish rabbis, some of them, if not most of them, say, hey, this... We can't say this is Jesus. That we we don't know for sure this is talking about Jesus. It could be, maybe not, because the timing's off. Like I think I think like it's like a hundred years off of the you know. There's lots of different reasons why uh, they think that it's not. But then there's some people that think that it is. Regardless of the facts, there's interesting stories in there about Yeshu Yeshu Ben Pandira. 
one story is about a um they had someone who had money from basically money from prostitution and they were wondering is it lawful to use this money you know basically for the temple or anything like that and of course the answer is no and they asked yeshu which a lot of people believe it's actually it was jesus of nazareth they asked him you know can we use this money you know for you know for the lord and uh the answer that he gave was well the only way you can use that money is if you use it to build uh, a bathroom <laughs> a washroom okay <laughs> because from filth you can you can take from filth to to build something for filth um and i thought that was a kind of a a wise answer interesting things anyway in the talmud that's for sure don't believe the a lot of the anti Yeshu stuff that's, that people say. There's a lot, there's a lot of, without getting into a whole great big topic on it, and maybe perhaps sometime in the near future we will, test everything, test everything. So yeah, definitely there is a point in reading it for sure. Very good question, Quandell. Thank you for asking. Tyler, does God discriminate against disabled people? And I would say no. I mean, he teaches uh, in the Torah, it is uh, taught that we are to help those who need help, like in, in that situation. Tyler uh, says, is Proverbs 12.10 a good argument against animal abuse? Proverbs 12.10, a righteous man regards the life of his beast or his animal, yes, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good argument against animal abuse. Not only that, but we have like, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain, that kind of thing as well, uh, which is another uh, passage that is in the Torah, actually. It's in the books of Moses that is used to uh, prove that God is concerned about um, treating the animals well as well. So yeah, thank you very much. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there a place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. That's quite the statement there, which deceived the whole world. Okay, so you think that, you know, you got some people that can deceive a few people or a lot of people, but can you imagine having that much um, deception power to deceive the whole world? That's, that's a lot. Uh, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Kingdom Concept says, mentions Satan and angels. Uh, it turns out that Jubilee is 1928. The adversary rules over demons, which are called messengers in Hebrew. Yeah, the angels of Satan, yes. When we go through the Torah, when we read through the law and all that kind of thing, so we shouldn't be too hyper-literal in the sense of saying, like, Look at here, God discriminates against this person. Oh, look at what God said about these other people. Look what happened over here with, you know, that God, you know, told them to wipe out all, you know, men, women, and children. But but to rather look at the entirety of the law in in the heart of God behind it. Uh, and then to you know to look at it more of a um, wider scope to see to see the entire picture so to see, so to uh, so to speak to see the big picture of of God's will and His heart for people and and all that kind of thing because there are answers for all these different things. All right, so let's do this. Baruch, I'm I'm actually reading from ebible.org. 
ebible.org, the World English Bible Translation of Baruch. Now, the introduction here is a very short introduction. It says the book of Baruch is recognized as deuterocanonical scripture by the Roman Catholic, Greek Orthodox, and Russian Orthodox churches. In some Bibles, Baruch chapter 6 is listed as a separate book called the Letter of Jeremiah, uh, reflecting its separation from Baruch in, in some copies of the Greek Septuagint. What we're going to do is we're going to read that as well. We're going to read right up to chapter 6, which is the last chapter in this version of Baruch. And so the last chapter would be chapter 6, and it also chapter 6 is the letter of Jeremiah in, in some other Bibles. Chapter 1. These are the words of the book which Baruch, the son of Nerias, the son of Messias, the son of Zedekiah, the son of Azadias, the son of Helkias, wrote in Babylon in the fifth year in the seventh day of the month at the time when the Chaldeans took Jerusalem and burnt fire. Baruch read the words of this book in the hearing of Yechonias, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and in the hearing of all the people who came to hear the book, and in the hearing of the mighty men, and of the king's sons, and in, in the hearing of the elders, and in the hearing of all the people, from the least to the greatest, even of all those who lived at Babylon by the river Sud. Then they wept, fasted, and prayed before the Lord. They also made a collection of money according to every man's ability, and they sent it to Jerusalem to Joachim, the high priest, the son of Elchias, the son of Shalom, and to the priests and to all the people who were found with him at Jerusalem. At the same time, when he took the vessels of the house of the Lord that, uh, that had been carried out of the temple to return them into the land of Judah, the tenth day of Sivan, silver vessels, which Zedekias, the son of Josias, king of Judah, had made. After Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away Yaconias, the princes, the mighty men, and the people of the land from Jerusalem, and brought them to Babylon. And they said, Behold, we have sent you money. Therefore, buy with the money burnt offerings, sin offerings, and incense, and prepare an oblation, and offer upon the altar of the Lord our God, and pray for the life of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and for the life of Belshazzar, his son, that their days may be as the days of heaven above the earth. The Lord will give us strength and light to our eyes. We will live under the shadow of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and under the shadow of Belshazzar, his son, and we will serve them many days and find favor in their sight. Pray for us also to the Lord our God, for we have sinned against the Lord our God. To this day the wrath of the Lord and his indignation is not turned from us. You shall read this book which we have sent to you to make confession in the house of the Lord upon the day of the feast and on the days of the solemn assembly. You shall say, To the Lord our God belongs righteousness, but to us confusion of face as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to our kings, to our princes, to our priests, to our prophets, and our fathers, because we have sinned before the Lord. We have disobeyed him and have not listened to the voice of the Lord our God, to walk in the commandments of the Lord that he has set before us, since the day that the Lord brought our fathers out of the land of Egypt to this present day. 
We have been disobedient to our God, and we have been negligent in not listening to his voice. Therefore, the plagues have clung to us along with the curse which the Lord declared through Moses, his servant, in the day that he brought our fathers out of the land of Egypt to give us a land that flows with milk and honey as at this day. Nevertheless, we didn't listen to the voice of the Lord our God, according to all the words of the prophets whom he sent to us. But we each walked in the imagination of his own wicked heart to serve strange gods and to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord our God. Baruch chapter 2. Therefore, the Lord has made good his word, which he pronounced against us and against our judges who judged Israel and against our kings and against our princes and against the men of Israel and Judah to bring upon us great plagues such as never happened under the whole heaven as it came to pass in Jerusalem, according to the things that that are written in the law of Moses, that we should each eat the flesh of our own son and eat the flesh of our own daughter. Moreover, he has given them to be in subjection to all the kingdoms that are around us, to be a reproach and a desolation among all the people around us, where the Lord has scattered them. Thus, they were cast down and not exalted, because we sinned against the Lord our God in not listening to his voice. To the Lord our God belongs righteousness, but to us and to our fathers confusion of face as at this day. All these plagues have come upon us, which the Lord has pronounced against us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord by everyone turning from the thoughts of his wicked heart. See, there's, uh, again, we have repentance there. At least the thought of repentance. Therefore, the Lord has kept watch over the plagues. The Lord has brought them upon us, for it is righteous in all his works, which he has commanded us. Yet we have not listened to his voice to walk in the commandments of the Lord that he has set before us. And now, O Lord, you, God of Israel, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, with signs, with wonders, with great power, and with a high arm, and have gotten yourself a name, as at this day, O Lord our God, we have sinned. We have been ungodly. We have done wrong in all your ordinances. Let your wrath turn from us, for we are but a few left among the heathen where you have scattered us. Hear our prayer, O Lord, and our petition, and deliver us for your own sake. Give us favor in the sight of those who have led us away captive, that all the earth may know that you are the Lord our God, because Israel and his posterity is called by your name. O Lord, look down from your holy house and consider us. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes and see. For the dead that are in Hades, whose breath is taken from their bodies, will give to the Lord neither glory nor righteousness. Notice, uh, righteousness here is almost like is, is like a way of worshiping God, right? So giving gi- giving to the Lord glory would be, that would be like praise, right? And righteousness, which would be like service. But the soul who was greatly vexed, who goes stooping and feeble, 
and the eyes that fail and the hungry soul will declare your glory and righteousness, O Lord. For we do not present our supplication before you, supplication meaning prayer, O Lord our God, for the righteousness of our fathers and of our kings. For you have sent your wrath and your indignation upon us, as you have spoken by your servants, the prophets, saying, The Lord says, Bow your shoulders to serve the king of Babylon and remain in the land that I gave to your fathers. But if you won't hear the voice of the Lord to serve the king of Babylon, I will, I will cause cease out of the cities of Judah and from the region near Jerusalem the voice of mirth, the voice of gladness, voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride. The whole land will be desolate without inhabitant. But we wouldn't listen to your voice to serve the king of Babylon. Therefore, you have made good your words that you spoke by your servants, the prophets, that the bones of our kings and the bones of our fathers would be taken out of their places. Behold, they are cast out to the heat by day and to the frost by night. They died in great miseries by famine, by sword, and by pestilence. You have made the house that is called by your name as it is today because of the wickedness of the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Yet, O Lord our God, you have dealt with us after all your kindness and according to all your great mercy, as you spoke by your servant Moses in the day when you commanded him to write your law in the presence of the children of Israel, saying, If you won't hear my voice, surely this very great multitude will be turned into a small number among the nations where I will scatter them. For I know that they will not hear me, because they are stiff-necked people. But in the land of their captivity, they will take it to heart, and will know that I am the Lord their God. I will give them a heart and, and ears to hear. Then they will praise me in the land of their captivity and think about my name and will return from their stiff neck and from their wicked deeds, for they will remember the, the way of their fathers who sinned before the Lord. I will bring them again into the land which I promised to their fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and they will rule over it. I will increase them, and they won't be diminished. And I will make them, I will make an everlasting covenant with them to be their God, and they will be my people. I will no more remove my people Israel out of the land that I have given them. Baruch chapter 3. O Lord Almighty, you God of Israel, the soul in anguish and the troubled spirit cries to you. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy. For you are a merciful God. Yes, have mercy upon us, because we have sinned before you. For you are enthroned forever, and we keep perishing. O Lord Almighty, you God of Israel, hear now the prayer of the dead Israelites and of the children of those who were sinners before you, who didn't listen to the voice of you, their God. Because of this, these plagues cling to us. Don't remember the iniquities of our fathers, but remember your power and your name at this time. For you are the Lord our God, and we will praise you, O Lord. For this cause you will, or excuse me, for this cause you have put your fear in our hearts to the intent that we should call your name. 
We will praise you in our captivity, for we have called to mind all the iniquity of our fathers who sinned before you. Behold, we are yet this day in our captivity where you have scattered us for reproach and a curse and to be subject to penalty according to all the iniquities of our fathers who departed from the Lord our God. Hear, O Israel, the commandments of life. Give ear to understand wisdom. How is it, O Israel, that you are in our enemy's land, that you have become old in a strange country, that you are defiled with the dead, that you are counted with those who are in Hades? You have forsaken the fountain of wisdom. If you had walked in the way of God, you would have dwelled dwelled in peace forever. Learn where there is wisdom, where there is strength, where there is understanding, that you also know where there is length of days and life, where there is the light of the eyes and peace. Who has found out her place? Who has come into her treasuries? Where are the princes of the heathen and those who ruled the beasts that are on the earth? those who had their past pastime with the fowls of the air and those who hoarded up silver and gold in which people trust and of their of their getting there is no end for those who diligently sought silver and were and were so anxious and whose works are past finding out they have vanished and gone down to Hades and others have gone up in their place excuse me and others have come up in their place younger men Men have seen the light and lived upon the earth, but they haven't known the way of knowledge, nor understood its paths. Their children haven't embraced it. They are far off from their way. It has not been heard of in Canaan, neither has it been seen in Taman. The sons also of Hagar who seek understanding, which are in the land, the, the merchants of Maran and Taman, and the author fables and the searchers out of understanding. None of these have known the way of wisdom or, or remem- remembered her paths. O Israel, how great is the house of God! How large is the place of his possession! It is great and has no end. It is high and unmeasurable. Giants were born that were famous of old, great of stature and expert in war. God didn't choose these, nor did he give the way of knowledge to them, so they perished because they had no wisdom. They perished through their own foolishness, who has gone up into heaven, taken her, and brought her down from the clouds. Who has gone over the sea, found her, and will bring her for choice? There is no one who knows her way, nor any who comprehend her path, but he knows all things, knows her. He found her out with his understanding. He prepared the earth for all time, has filled it with four feasts. It is he who sends forth the light, and it goes. He called it, and it obeyed him with fear. Stars shone in their watches and were glad. When he called them, they said, Here we are. They shone with gladness uh, to him who made them. This is our God. No other can be compared to him. He has found out all the way of knowledge and has given it to Jacob, his servant, and to Israel, who is loved by him. Afterward, she appeared upon earth and lived with men. Baruch chapter 4. This is the book of God's commandments and the law that endures forever. I love that. Endures forever. All those who hold it fast will live. 
but those who leave it will die. Again, this is talking about spiritual life, spiritual death, uh, salvation, more, more or less, versus no salvation. Verse 2, turn, O Jacob, and take hold of it. Walk toward the shining of its light. Don't give your glory to another, nor the things that are to your advantage to a foreign nation. O Israel, we are happy, for the things that are pleasing to God are made known to us. Be of good cheer, my people. The memorial of Israel, you were not sold to the nations for destruction, but because you moved God to wrath, you were delivered to your adversaries. For you provoked him who made you by sacrificing to demons and not to God. You forgot the everlasting God who brought you up. You also grieved Jerusalem who nursed For she saw the wrath that came upon you from God and said, Listen, you who dwell near Zion, for God has brought upon me great mourning. For I have seen the captivity of my sons and daughters, which the everlasting has brought upon them. For with joy I nourished them, but sent them away with weeping and mourning. Let no man rejoice over me, a widow, and forsaken by many. For the sins of my children I am left desolate, because they turned away from the law of God, and had no regard for his statutes. They didn't walk in the ways of God's commandments, or tread in paths of discipline in his righteousness. Notice his righteousness is not some some kind of invisible cloak you put on, but it's something you actually walk in. Verse 14, Let those who dwell near Zion come and remember the captivity of my sons and daughters, which the everlasting has brought upon them. For he has brought a nation upon them from afar, a shameless nation which, with a strange language, who didn't respect old men or pity children. They have carried away the dear, beloved sons of the widow and left her who was alone, desolate of her daughters. But I, how can I help you? For for he who brought these calamities upon you will deliver you from the hand of your of your enemies. Go your way, O my children, go your way, for I am left desolate. I have put off the garment of peace and put on sackcloth of my put on the sackcloth of my petition. I will cry to the everlasting as long as I live. Take courage, my children, cry to God, and he will deliver you from the power and hand of the enemies. For I have trusted in the everlasting that he will save you. And joy has come to me from the Holy One because of the mercy that will soon come to you from your everlasting Savior. For I sent you out with mourning and weeping, but God will give you to me with joy and gladness forever. For as now those who dwell near Zion have seen captivity, so so they will shortly see your salvation from our God, which will come upon you with great glory and brightness of the everlasting. My children, suffer patiently the wrath that has come upon you from God, for your enemy has persecuted you, but shortly you will see his destruction and will tread upon their necks. My delicate ones have traveled rough roads. They were taken away like a carried off by enemies. Take courage, my children, and cry to God, for you will be remembered by him who has brought this upon you. For as it was your decision to go astray from God, return and seek him ten times more. For he who brought these calamities upon you will bring you everlasting joy again with your salvation. 
Take courage, Jerusalem, for he who called you by name will comfort you. Miserable are those who afflicted and rejoiced at your fall. Miserable are the cities which your children served. Miserable is she who received your sons. For as she rejoiced at your fall and was glad of your ruin, so she will be grieved at her own desolation. I will take away her pride in her great multitude and her boasting will be turned into mourning. For fire will come upon her from the everlasting for many days, and she will be inhabited by demons for a long time. O Jerusalem, look around you toward the east, and behold the joy that comes to you from God. Behold your sons come, whom you sent away. They come to, uh, they come gathered together from the east to the west at the word of the Holy One, rejoicing in the glory of God. Baruch chapter 5. Take off the garment of your mourning and affliction, O Jerusalem, and put on forever the beauty of the glory from God. Put on the robe of the righteousness from God. Set on your head a diadem of the glory of the everlasting. For God will show your splendor everywhere under heaven. For your name will be called by God forever. Righteous peace, godly glory. Arise, O Jerusalem, and stand upon the height. Look around you toward the east and see your children gathered from, from going down, from the going down of the sun to its rising at the word of the Holy One, rejoicing that God has remembered them. For they went from you on foot, being led away by their enemies. God brings them in to you, carried on, on high with glory, on a royal throne. For God has appointed that every high mountain and that and the everlasting hills should be made low, and the valleys filled up to make the ground level, that Israel may go safely in the glory of God. Moreover, the woods and every sweet-smelling tree have shaded Israel by the commandment of God. For God will lead Israel with joy in the light of His glory, with the mercy and righteousness that come from Him. Baruch chapter 6. Now this is also called the letter of Jeremy or the letter of Jeremiah. As we read earlier in some Bibles, this is a separate book. The letter of Jeremiah, copy of a letter that Jeremiah sent to those who were to be led captives into Babylon by the king of the Babylonians to give them the message that God commanded him. Because of the sins which you have committed before God, you will be led away captives to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylonians. So when you come to Babylon, you will remain there many years and for a long season, even for seven generations. For that, I will bring you out peacefully from there. But now you will see in Babylon gods of silver, gold, wood carried on shoulders, which cause the nations to fear. Beware, therefore, that you in no way become like these foreigners. Don't let fear take hold of, of you because of them, when you see the multitude before them and behind them worshiping them. But say in your hearts, O Lord, we must worship you, for my angel is with you, and I myself care for your souls. For their tongue is, po is polished by the workmen, and they themselves are overlaid with gold and with silver, Yet they are only fake and can't speak, and taking gold as if 
as if it were for a virgin who loves to be happy, they make crowns for the heads of their gods. Sometimes also the priests take gold and silver from their gods and spend it on themselves. They will even give some of it to to the common prostitutes. They dress them like men with garments, even the gods of silver, gods of gold, and gods of wood. Yet these gods can't save themselves from rust and moths, even though they are covered with purple garments. They wipe their faces because of the dust of the temple, which is thick upon them. And he who can't put to death one who offends against him holds a scepter as though he were judge of a country. He has also a dagger in his right hand and an axe, but can't deliver himself from war and robbers. By this, they are known not to be gods. Therefore, don't fear them. For like a vessel that a man uses is worth nothing when it is broken, even so it is with their gods. When they are set up in the temples, their eyes are full of dust through the feet of those who come in. As the courts are secured on every side upon him who offends the king, as being committed to suffer death, even so the priests secure their temples with doors, with locks and bars, lest they be carried off by robbers. They light candles for them, yes, more than for themselves, even though they can't see one. They are like one of the beams of the temple. Men say their hearts are eaten out when things creeping out of the earth devour both them and their clothing. They don't feel it. When their faces are blackened through the smoke that comes out of the temple, bats, swallows, and birds land on their bodies and heads. So do the cats. By this, you may know that they are no gods. Therefore, don't fear them, notwithstanding the gold with which they they are covered to make them beautiful, unless someone wipes off the tarnish, they won't shine, for they didn't even feel it when they were when they were molten. Things in which there is no breath are bought at any cost. Having no feet, they are carried upon shoulders. By this they declare to men they are worth nothing. Those who serve them are also ashamed, for if they fall to the to the ground at any time, They can't rise up again by themselves. If they are bowed down, they can't make themselves straight. But the offerings are set before them as if they were dead men. And the things that are sacrificed to them, their priests sell and spend. In like manner, their wives all lay up part of it in the salt. But to the poor and to the impotent, they give none of it. The menstruous woman and the woman in childbed touch their their sacrifices, knowing therefore by these things that they are no god, no gods. Don't fear them. For how can they be called gods? Because women set for the gods of silver, gold, and wood, and in their temples the priests sit on seats, having their clothes torn and their heads and beards shaven, and nothing on their heads. They roar and cry before their gods as men do at the at the feast when one is dead. The priests also take off garments from them and clothe their wives and children with them. Whether it is evil or good, what one does to them, they are not able to repay it. They can't set up a king or put him down. In like manner, they can't neither they can neither give riches nor money. Though a man make a vow to them and doesn't keep it, they will never exact it. They can save no man from death. They can't do the weak from the mighty. They can't restore a blind man to his, uh, to his sight or deliver anyone 
who is in distress. They can show no mercy to the widow or, or do good to the fatherless. They are like the stones that are cut out of the mountain, these gods of wood that are overlaid with gold and with silver. Those who minister to them will be confounded. How could a man then think or, or say that they are gods when even the Chaldeans themselves dishonor them? If they shall see one mute who can't speak, they bring him and ask him to call on Baal, as though he were able to understand. Yet they can't perceive this themselves and forsake them, for they have no understanding. The women also with cords around them sit in the ways, burning brand for incense. But if any of them draw by someone who passes by, by lies with him, she reproaches her fellow that she was not thought as worthy as herself, and her cord wasn't broken. Whatever is done among them is false. How could a man then think or say that they are gods? They are fashioned by carpenters and goldsmiths. They can be nothing else than what the workmen may make them to be. And they themselves who fashion them can never continue long. How then can the things that are fashioned by them? For they have left lies and reproach, reproaches to those who, uh, who come after. For when there comes any war or plague upon them, the priests consult with themselves where they may be hidden with them. How then can't men understand that they are no gods, which can't save themselves from war or from plague? For seeing that, for seeing the only wood and overlaid with gold and silver, it will be known hereafter that they are false. It will be manifest to all nations and kings that they are no gods, but the work of men's hands, and that there is no work of God in them. Who then may not know that they are not gods. For they can't set up a king in, in a land or give reign to men. They can't judge their own cause or redress a wrong, being unable. For they are like crows between heaven and earth. For even when fire falls upon the house of gods of wood, wood overlaid with gold or with silver, their priests flee away and escape. But they themselves will be burned apart like beams. Moreover, they can't withstand any king or enemies. How could a man then admit or think that they are gods? Those gods of wood overlaid with silver or with gold aren't able to escape from thieves or robbers. The gold over and garments with which they are clothed, those who are strong will take from them and go away with them. They won't be able to help themselves. Therefore, it is better to be a king who shows his manhood or else a vessel in, in a house profitable for whatever the owner needs such than such false gods or even a, a door in a house to keep the things safe that are in it, that such false gods or, or better to be a pillar of wood in a palace than such false gods. For sun, moon, and stars being bright and sent to do their jobs are obedient. Likewise, also the lightning when it flashes is beautiful to see. In the same way, the wind also blows the tree. And when God commands the clouds to go over the whole world, they do as they are told. And the fire sent from above to consume mountains and woods does as it is commanded. But these are to be compared to them neither in show nor power. Therefore, a man shouldn't think 
think or say that they are gods, seeing they aren't able to judge causes or do or to do good to men. Knowing therefore that they are no gods, don't fear them, for they can neither curse nor bless kings. They can't show signs in the heavens among the nations, or shine as the sun, or give light as the moon. The beasts are better than they, for they can get under a covert and help themselves. In no way then is it manifest to us that they are gods. Therefore, don't fear them. For as a scarecrow in a garden of cucumbers that keeps nothing, so are their gods of wood overlaid with gold and silver. Likewise also, their gods of wood overlaid with gold and with silver are like a white thorn in, the, in an orchard that every bird sits upon. They are also like a dead body that is thrown out into the dark. You will know them to be no gods by the purple that rots upon them. They themselves will be consumed afterwards and will be a reproach in the country. Better, therefore, is the just man who has no idols, for he will be far from reproach. And that concludes our scripture reading for today. Let's see what we have going on here in the live chat. Tyler asked a question. I know that Jesus said that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. But does, does the Torah or uh, Old Testament ever talk about lust being sinful? Well, yes, it does. Uh, actually, everything that Jesus said when he said, you know, you've heard it said this, but I say, you know, uh, you've heard you've heard it said this, but I tell you this. Uh, what he was doing was he was just expounding on those those commandments. Like you've heard it said you should not commit adultery. But I say that anyone who looks upon a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. So what Jesus did was basically unpack that that command so the command in the in the torah of not committing committing adultery is does in fact include you know spiritually spiritual adultery which i mean that's another whole it, there's a lot of there's a lot of sins that are wrapped up in that one command one can be spiritual adultery one can be like the adultery of your heart and your mind uh committing adultery in your heart and your mind like that is that's that's torah the Torah is not just, you know, surface level. It's not just, you know, uh, you know, shallow. It goes deep. And that's what Jesus was doing. Jesus didn't add anything to the Torah. He didn't really, he didn't, he didn't change the Torah at all. He couldn't. Uh, if he did, he would actually be a sinner because it says in the Torah, in Deuteronomy chapter four, not to change, not to add to anything, not to take away from anything. You, you leave it as it is. But what Jesus was just doing was he was explaining what it meant. What does it mean, thou shalt not commit adultery? It means don't look at a woman lustfully. And we were just reading here about like other gods, you know. Today we don't have, in, in the Western world anyway, we don't have too much of this, you know, gods of gold and silver and such. But we do have gods of money. We have gods of things, um, cars, homes, all kinds of things uh, is gods, the Western gods, Okay. A lot of people themselves are God. They they serve themselves. They they don't look at themselves as their God, but in practice, it they actually are. They they actually are. Uh, when it comes to uh, lusting, uh, that kind of thing through, that is actually idolatry as well. That is actually having other gods before him. So yeah, there there are, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery includes a whole lot more than just the just like the actual physical act 
it, it, it goes a lot deeper than that. And same with thou shalt not ha- thou shalt have no other gods before me, right? Idolatry. Uh, idolatry encompasses so much. And some of that idolatry would be lust, right? So yeah, it's, it, it's throughout the Torah, actually. You know, it doesn't say it in those words. Like it doesn't say, you know, not to look upon a woman lustfully. Like it doesn't say it in those words, but it does give us those concepts and principles through idolatry, which can be idolatry of the eyes, um, and through adultery, which can be adultery of the mind and of the heart. So yeah, it is. It's there. Very good question. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you for asking. Now, this is this is a question that is a very, very, this is a touchy subject because there's a lot of Christians out there that would say that Jesus absolutely never, ever sinned because he had to be the perfect sacrifice, because he had to be the sinless, spotless. So it's, it's all based upon their interpretation of Paul's letters mixed in with the Gospel of John. Having said that, Let's just step back a minute. Okay, let's just look let's just step back from the picture so to speak and look at the the big picture. I I spoke about this many times before. What is sin? Okay, so sin is transgression of of the Torah, okay? Um that's sin against God. There are other sins as well, the sins that don't lead to death which would be, you know, just making a mistake. It might not be against the Torah, but it's just making a mistake and that's something that's not really a sin against God. Uh, so did Jesus sin? I do I do not believe when he was born, he was perfect. I believe he had to learn how to talk. I believe he had to, I don't think he was perfect in knowledge when he was born or at conception or, or whatever. I believe that he had to learn just like everyone else. He He had to learn how to walk, which probably more than likely meant there were a lot of times when he fell, okay? And, and we have hints of this throughout the Gospels because, you know, a lot of these people say, oh, we know, we know Jesus, we know Yeshua, we grew up with him. Like, what's so special about him? I mean, if he was so perfect, like angelic perfect, what, don't you think that they would notice that? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying. I think that he was so much like everyone else. Like, he could slip through a crowd even in his appearance, it wasn't like he came with this sparkling white robe, how you see in the in the you know movies or in the you know cartoons or whatever. Sparkling white robe with a red sash around. It's like, oh, you can pick him out of the crowd anywhere. No, I don't think so. I think that he was very, very much like everyone else. He blended in so much. I mean, you could easily lose him, and actually, people did lose him. Time, even his own mother lost him. Okay, I mean, uh, and he sl- he was able to slip through the crowd unnoticed. Um, he was able to walk with his with disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they didn't even know who who he was. Uh, he he spoke with Martha or Mary at the at the tomb, and and she didn't. Like, he, it seemed like he was just so common looking and so common common acting. Uh, that it was like, it was just, he could easily slip under your radar. Now, the prophecies about the Messiah in the book of, in, in the Psalms, a lot of prophecies that are claimed to be prophecies about Jesus claim sin. And I know that comes to a shock. That comes as a shock to many people. You look at it, like, for example, they pierce my hands and my feet, or they give me gall and vinegar to drink. And you read, you read the context of that. This person says, you know, this person's claim, this person says it was, they are, they are, they have sin. The prophecy of the son of David, 
you know, from Nathan the prophet, the first, the first prophecy uh, to David, uh, speaking of the son of David, the Messiah, said that when he when he sins, basically, he will be disciplined. What it says when he sins, he, he'll be disciplined. In Hebrews, it says uh, he was made perfect through sufferings. Obviously, what other time would there would, would he have suffered except for you know at the cross, right? Now he was that implies that he wasn't always perfect, and I know that that is that short circuits a lot of people's brains when I say something like that. But that's just because they have believed the Paulian slash Gospel of John narrative that they've been fed uh, in you know the substitutionary atonement, how he has to be perfect, all that kind of stuff. Which substitute substitutionary atonement as it is preached today, is is, is 100% wrong. Take it for what it is. The Tanakh actually says that he has and will, I mean, not wills, like in, in the future, but prophesying the coming of the Messiah, it actually says the Messiah will sin, it says in the Tanakh. And in the context of the first person narrative in the book of Psalms as well. So take it for what it is, Tyler. Uh, that's that's a topic that a lot of people I know their hair is going to be standing on up and end when you hear about it. But hey, like I say, we want the truth. We want the truth. We're not we we don't want to bend over backwards to try to make things work when they don't. We just want the truth. Excellent question, Tyler. Thank you for asking. Going nowhere, Jesus probably looked like an ordinary guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And keep in mind, the ordinary guy in those days would have been Orthodox Jews. Okay, so he would have looked like just any other Orthodox Jew at the time. He didn't look; he wasn't like a white guy walking around. He wasn't like a, a white guy walking around. He was like he was an Orthodox Jew. He was actually an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. So he would he would he would appear just like any of the other Orthodox Jews of his of his day. Kingdom concepts. Why does James say no one can be tested or tempted? by the Most High when many people in the Bible were tested or tempted by the Most High. I think in the context that he is referring to, uh, let's just pull that up. That'd be James chapter 2, if my memory serves me correctly. So let's start with James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is, he who, uh, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, uh, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he, uh, he himself tempt anyone. Um, okay, so it seems like a, a wordplay here. Let me just pull it up here because we know that God does send, like for example, we know that it says, in the, we know for sure it says that in the Gospels that, God sent Yeshua into the desert to be tempted, right? After his uh after his baptism. Okay, so let's just let's just break this down. Uh the word temptation or tempted. Yeah, you see, like it says right here in, in OT usage of God to inflict evils upon uh one in order to prove his character with steadfastness of his faith. Yeah. So um like to me, how I would read this, uh, Pete, I would I would say that you know, what basically there's the uh, instead of saying God is tempting me, I mean you're saying that you you are tempted by the tempter, 
but it's like, well, didn't God send the tempter? Or didn't you send the tempter to, to uh, you know, didn't God send the tempter to someone else? So I think that it's just saying that um, God is, doesn't directly, he's not like, it's not directly tempting people, but rather, uh, you know, um, those who are tempted are tempted of the devil, basically. And it says here, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then uh, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin is full grown, uh, brings forth death. So this is not even in the, in, the, in the context of being tempted of the devil, basically. This is in the context of being tempted by your own desires. So I think what James here is doing here is he's 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 uh clarifying saying that you know in in the in the context uh and to the people that he's writing to these people were actually tempted by their own desire their own selfishness so it's like don't don't blame your selfishness on god so that's what i see here don't blame your selfishness on god that's how i would if i were to um subtitle that that section, that's what I would subtitle. That's how I see it, Pete. Excellent question. So Laura says, um, I didn't hear you say when he sinned. Uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just laying out the different parts of the Tanakh that talks about the Messiah and that kind of thing. I, I, I did not say that. Awesome. Okay, guys. This was a, an, and by the way, before we go, um, I mean, as we read that, if you're if you're like me, you, just, you 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 listen to that and you read that and you're like, hey, that sounds so much like what we've been reading all along in, in the in the canonized Tanakh. Like it's just like it just it just so it flows so well together with it. If it was in the canon, it actually is in some canons, um, but if it was in the Protestant canon, a lot of Protestants wouldn't even know any difference. Okay, guys, so that wraps it up for tonight. Again, thank you very much for, for, uh, for listening. Thank you uh, for your questions and your comments, those of you in the live chat and those of you who are listening. Uh, I know there's, there, there are a lot of you who are just listening and uh, you didn't put anything in the live chat. Well, thank you. you, all of you, whether you're in the live chat or not, all of you are awesome. And I pray that God use our uh, you know, readings and our discussions every night to be a wonderful, wonderful blessing to you and to grow your understanding and your knowledge in the things of God and ultimately grow your relationship with God and being strong in the faith as well. That's what that's my prayer. So again, for those of you who are new, if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe or follow. And uh, that way you you know, uh, you know get the no make sure you get notifications so that you get notified when we do go live, which which is actually every day. We go live seven days a week from uh, six days from uh, Sunday to Friday. We go live at 7 p.m. And one day we go live, that's Saturday. Every Saturday we go live at 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 2 p.m. Eastern time. And so, yes, Great Deception says, thank you, brother. Much love and blessings to you all. Thank you very much, Alan. Much love and blessings multiplied back to you as well, brother. Says hit the like button if you liked it. Yes, thank you very much. Tammy says, have a wonderful night, all. Thank you, you as well. Blessings multiplied to you. Thank you. Laura says, thank you, Christopher, and everyone here. This is good. I love you all. Love you too, Laura. Thank you very much for your fellowship and your, um, your questions. Blake says, shalom, everyone. 
And many thanks to our brother Christopher. Well, thank you, Blake. Thank you very much. Laura says good night and shalom. Yes, good night and shalom to you as well. Lacey, shalom. Have a great night, everyone. As always, enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Blessings, blessings to you and Blake and yours. Billy says thanks all. Good night. Jordan, Jordan, brother. Uh, have a blessed one. I have commented shalom earlier, but staying off uh, social media more. You had commented shalom earlier. Oh, I'm sorry, Jordan. I did not see that. Good to see you anyway. And my apologies, Jordan. I didn't, I didn't see your comment earlier. Vinny says, thank you, Christopher. May the Lord bless everyone. Shalom. Thank you very much, Vinny. Blessings to you and yours as well. Jordan, Thank, uh, thanks for always being a godly example of Yeshua and Torah because there aren't many, sadly. Well, thank you, Jordan, for uh, for your fellowship and uh, and for everything you are contributing as well. I mean, I, I think about your your new song, uh, Example or Excuse. Awesome song. By the way, for those of you who don't know, Jordan Thomas is a very talented musician. You can uh, you can listen and buy some of his music on your some of the some of your most uh, favorite music platforms out there. So and he had a new song. It's not I don't think it's professionally recorded yet, um, but it's an awesome song. Jordan, blessings, blessings. Lots of good music there. Okay, so as always, you guys are a blessing. You guys are awesome. You guys are world changers. I'll see you tomorrow evening. That'll be uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, Lord willing. I'll see you guys. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen, amen. See you tomorrow.